With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and with me again, J.B. Scott of TurfShowTimes.com. JB, I was thinking this season we should come up with a name for the podcast better than Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm usually pretty good at names, but this one, it um, eludes me somehow to think of a a good name for this current Rams podcast. How are we going to be different than other Rams podcasts? What is our focus area study going to be? And, you know, maybe that's something that will organically evolve into a, a title here before week one. And that's something that for those of you listening to us now and each week, hey, keep track of, see what happens, who knows. But there's something to think about there, JB. Uh, But today we're going to talk about the Rams and training camp and getting down to the cuts and all that kind of stuff. Talking about the 90 men that are trying to fight for 53 spots on the roster and then other guys going on to the practice squad and we talk a lot. I just released my top 20 Rams of 2022, the most important players to the Rams. We're going to talk about maybe the back end of the roster today as the Rams have gone gotten underway in training camp this week from Sunday to now Wednesday. And pretty soon these weeks are going to be piling up and we're going to be very close to looking at your 2022 LA Rams. And we're going to talk about who are our top five or maybe the last five guys who make the roster through the depth chart. As far as the top 20 guys, JV, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Maybe did this make you think of who your top five players on the Rams are? Do you know maybe what that list would be? Mine being number one, Stafford, number two, Donald, number three, Cup, number four, Ramsey, and number five, Joseph Nopum. That was the order for me, but I'm, it's open for interpretation. I'm curious, JB, what are your thoughts on the Rams' top five? Yeah, I mean, that first four is certainly locked in. Stafford, Cup, Donald, Ramsey. You can really have them in any order. It doesn't make a difference. It's a number five spot that, you know, you can really go any direction after that point. And maybe after the early training report, training camp reports. Allen Robinson seems to be shooting up that list. We'll see where he might finish up towards the end of the year. So yeah, it's been really interesting following your list and uh, um, Joseph Novum, he's going to be important as well, but we'll see. Yeah, not, not a bad point there about Allen Robinson because we're not sure what the Rams have at number three uh, wide receiver. And if a player had to be elevated to two or one, you know, who's going to step up and do that. So having a guy like Allen Robinson, who's had a 1400 yard season before and did so with Blake Bortles and to think that now he's with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and in an environment that he can thrive in. I mean, if Robert Woods, if we were doing this list a year ago, maybe Robert Woods is that number five guy locked and loaded, no questions asked. So if there is another wide receiver who can step up and play that role, it'll be huge in a league where we just saw that the teams that made the Super Bowls 
uh, the, the, there was only one Super Bowl as far as I know, but the teams that made the Super Bowl were had Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jamar Chase and uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And, you know, there's a lot of focus on the quarterbacks. But when you look around at the wide receivers, we saw Tyreek Hill in the AFC Championship, Stefan Diggs on the Bills, Debo Samuel on the 49ers. I mean, the list goes on and on when we're talking about those premier wide receivers and the impact they're having on the game right now does kind of explain those exorbitant salaries that we're seeing around the league. Speaking of which, in the NFC West, training camp-wise, DK Metcalf holding in with the Seahawks, not participating until he gets a new contract. Debo Samuel, aforementioned Debo Samuel, doing the same thing with San Francisco 49ers. And the Cardinals are continuing to be the Cardinals and just seem to be um, even making a joke of themselves when they are seemingly successful. So, We'll see what happens in Arizona. Maybe they'll be the team that uh, we're sleeping on right now, but we're going to focus on the Rams and through training camp. Like I said, we've had a few days. I've listened to Sean McVay talk. I don't know. There's been a ton of uh, information gleaned from him at this point, or does he even have that much information, you know, until the Rams really start to put on the pads and start to get some competition against other teams. We're going to learn a lot more at that point, but I still think, He continues to hype up Coleman Shelton as the right guard and not really anybody else at this point. So, you know, it's funny. I've uh, been covering the Rams at Turf Showtime since 2020, and each year seems like a surprise offensive lineman pops up that nobody really had expected at all to be in the mix, you know, when the Rams drafted Logan Bruss. Obviously, at that point, lots of focus on Logan Bruss as well as you know, some guys who had played a little bit more or were expected to be guards, but now here we have Coleman Shelton, potentially the starting right guard this year. Any thoughts there on the right guard position in Coleman Shelton? Yeah, I'm pretty surprised. We haven't heard Tremaine Ingram's name mentioned much. Um, it's really a surprise to me, but not so much a surprise to hear Shelton over a rookie like Logan Bruss. It's just not the Rams MO to play those guys early. So Shelton seems to be the front runner along with Bruss. Um, Ankrum, maybe the Rams project him more as a tackle or uh, he's just relegated to backup status. But I think that's really interesting. And yeah, we'll see how, how it shakes out moving forward. But Coleman Shelton, when he did fill in for Brian Allen, he filled in a guard, I think it's sometimes last year too. So he ha- he got that limited playing time and seems the coaching staff has a lot of confidence in him. So that's encouraging at least. Yeah. And, you know, we may talk about, you know, some of these guards tackles when we're talking about our final five that make it onto the roster this year and trying to figure out who is the last offensive lineman who makes it in. I honestly had to look up the rule to see if uh, it's true or not, because I'm not exactly sure. And I'm still not a hundred percent sure, but I, I think this year, Max Bercher can get snatched away by another team. If he doesn't make the 53 man roster last year had a practice squad exception because he is in the international pathway program. So just to encourage the players to be here and to be developed by certain teams at risk of losing them. Then when you cut him, he just goes straight to the practice squad. No questions asked, can't be picked up by another team, but JB, I'm not hundred percent sure whether or not this year, that's still true. Do you happen to know? I do not know, but we really haven't seen a lot of Max Percher. So um, not a lot of opportunities to check in on his development and the preseason will be uh, pretty telling for us. Yeah, you're right. We, we just don't know that much about Max Percher. Obviously spent all of last year on the practice squad and the moment he was really focused on what he was doing. They were focused on the Rams winning all those games. So, you know, Max Percher at that point, but 
It's interesting because you look at Jordan Mailata of the Philadelphia Eagles, another guy who came through the international pathway program, one of the top left tackles in the NFL now. So, you know, making sure that uh, the Rams keep those guys and continue to develop them, especially a guy like Matt, Max Percher, who's only, you know, these guys are only in the program because they are physical freaks and have an interest in football. So to see Max Percher with the Rams is very exciting because he's got this size and athleticism and ability where you would hope with Kevin Carberry and, and the other coaches, something really special happens there with Max Percher. So it's just kind of curious to see because I'm thinking about my final five and I'm like, well, how much do they really want to protect Max Percher? But maybe there's another exception this year. I'm really not sure. Um, but maybe we can uh, get into it then. Cause uh, you know, offensive line, I think, for me, this doesn't feel like a player who should necessarily be the last one in, but I think symbolically it does make sense to put him here in that number five spot. And that's Bobby Evans third round pick in 2019. We've talked about how uh, other guys were, why aren't we hearing about this guy, that guy last year, Bobby Evans got his opportunity to start and almost immediately was demoted to the you know third string. Some people don't like that term, but he got immediately, not even the backups, you know, and so this is his fourth year in the NFL, and a lot of people saying, will Bobby Evans make the roster this time around because, you know, as a tackle, as a guard, hasn't really worked out, and I'm just thinking, you know, Brian Allen, it was his fourth season last year, Coleman Shelton, you know, he's pretty far into his Rams career, it's not that crazy to think, you know, that Sean McVay is going to have some faith here in Bobby Evans and show him another fourth year, whether he gets a starting role or a reserve role. But it does feel like he's on very thin ice and we can't really expect Bobby Evans to have a career with the Rams past the season unless he does manage to get some snaps this year and play well. Um, but I'm just putting Bobby Evans in there and maybe it means that, you know, Jeremiah Cologne doesn't make the roster. I know, uh, you know, and I, I was going to say, and there is another guy, but maybe he's on your list. So I'll uh, leave it there and say, JB, what do you think about Bobby Evans and maybe that last offensive line spot? Yeah, Bobby Evans kind of in the same boat as a former, another th former third round pick, Terrell Burgess, where maybe the coaching staff has kind of passed on over those guys. And I actually am pretty intrigued by seventh round rookie out of Michigan State, A.J. Arcuri. I don't know what it is about him. I think it's his size, his frame. You'd stash him on the back end of the roster, and in a couple of years, maybe you add some strength to him, and he's a solid right tackle for you. But um, Bobby Evans, we saw him, we haven't seen him really since 2019, filling for Rob Havenstein when he was injured. Um, played well, it seemed, in limited time, but he's just been on a downhill decline ever since. He's only under contract for this season, so maybe the Rams just start developing for uh, future years, and there's no better guy to do it than with our Curie, I believe. Yeah, that's one of the guys that uh, people are curious about. Also, a lot of talk about Jack Snyder at the uh, other position there. I think as, as an undrafted free agent, I've seen a lot of people have had a lot of interest in him. Have you heard much about Jack Snyder? No, not really. Um, <laughs> but I think we haven't seen Bobby Evans even mentioned uh, the right guard rotation. So it seems pretty clear the Rams view him as a tackle, and um, he's really in that box at this point. Yeah, that's uh, that's some of the situation there at offensive line last season. You know, I think the offensive line 
played relatively well, especially maybe pass blocking more so than run blocking. Um, and to see how much that changes this year, the, the, the philosophy of the offensive game plan each week changes this year, assuming that Cam Akers is 100% healthy and ready to go week one as a featured back and a guy that's going to get, you know, he's not one of the last guys on the roster. Obviously he's one of the first um, he's probably the guy who, when I was doing my top 20 had the most reaction in terms of Cam Akers should be, you know, top eight, at least in, on this list because of what he could do if he was playing like, you know, on the high end, Todd Gurley, maybe on, you know, a, still a very good case scenario on the high end is Steven Jackson, somebody that's going to be very, like just a quality running back back there. And that how much that'll change the Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup, Allen Robinson game plan. What are your thoughts on cam makers, especially early in this season? Yeah. I want to get a feel over training camp with how explosive he looks. See if that he can bounce back. Um, his best game in the playoffs was the first one against the Cardinals and maybe he took some wear and tear and he just didn't have that same explosiveness, but the running back room is going to be interesting. It's going to keep a close eye on him. Uh, Daryl Henderson, we know is kind of working his way back from injury and Kyron Williams broke his foot in the off season workouts, but he's supposed to return sometime in the midpoint around the preseason. So all eyes on Jake Funk, most likely with, with acres and Henderson probably sitting out the preseason and see if anyone can, you know, establish themselves outside that top three. Yeah, actually I do have a running back here in my five last in, and you mentioned Kyron Williams and the injury that he's going through. You know, I think Kyron Williams, good bet to make the roster here. Fifth round pick, not guaranteed, but pretty good, you know, bet to do so. We saw, you know, what Ernest Brown get cut as a fourth round pick. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something that could possibly happen for Kyron Williams. And I think as long as I'm not mistaken again here and that he's, he's here and he's healthy and he's, he's participating again, one of my last guys in is Xavier Jones. And I thought that Xavier Jones was in a great position last year to take over for Cam Akers, compliment Daryl Henderson, um, maybe even prevent any need to trade for Sony Michelle when, if Xavier, Xavier Jones had been healthy instead of also uh, suffering a, a significant injury. Um, I want to pull up a little bit of what he was able to do, but, um, you know, Xavier Jones was a guy that I, I love his attitude. I love, you know, I don't really like a lot of what goes on on Twitter, social media, but he's got a pretty good Twitter personality. Seems like a pretty laid back guy, which, uh, I don't mind in my running backs and, uh, Xavier Jones was a guy who had showed a lot of promise, uh, a couple of years ago when he did get opportunities out of SMU and didn't really play, you know, but at the end of the day was a guy that I thought was very interested in going into the draft when undrafted. And then with the Rams felt like maybe this is a guy that could have some promise here. Jake Funk also, you know, obviously we know about his extensive injury history, Daryl Henderson, always, uh, you know, nicked up, banged up, um, something going on there. So overall, I thought that Xavier Jones is a pretty good pick. Raymond Kalai, another guy that's coming back from injury. Um, and then another undrafted free agent is AJ Rose, but Xavier Jones was the running back I had in the uh, last one in kind of situation. What are your thoughts at the uh, running back depth? Like the, you know, mentioned it a little bit, but Xavier Jones and maybe that like last, last, last spot. Yeah. I mean, if the Rams keep four, uh, it's a pretty big numbers crunch and I don't see anyone worth keeping outside of Funk and Williams. Just whenever you talk about these deep, this deep secondary that the Rams have, 
maybe needing some depth on the offensive line. I think you can trim some fat there and maybe look to add a veteran if either Akers or Henderson goes down at some point in the season. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think it's worth keeping someone like Xavier Jones or unless Raymond Clay has an opportunity to play on special teams, that might come of use down the road. But um, yeah, I think we arrive at the top four for now. It would be a reasonable top four, Akers, Henderson, Funk, and Kyron Williams. A little bit of uh, hedging a bet there that maybe, you know, if there's a suspicion that Kyron Williams has to stay on PUP or uh, start the season, you know, unable to go, you know, keeping him, keeping five or keeping five running backs for a half second then making some transactions, doing something along those lines, because we did see such a, an issue with health at the running back position last year, of course, and with all those guys going down, Xavier Jones, Raymond Calias, Jake Funk, Cam Akers, and for a time, Daryl Henderson, you know, just thinking that could be a possibility for Xavier Jones, but obviously we haven't seen anything really of him at the NFL level. So it's all kind of just like that wishful thinking. And you're right. Raymond Calias does have special teams ability. Jake Funk is good on special teams on the other end. And also we'll just see how much those guys are going. But right now, if you're in practice, in training camp, getting an opportunity somewhere down the line, or if you're not, you know, that's where Kyron Williams is suffering the same tribulations that a lot of rookies have suffered, which is missing time in August is very uh, detrimental to that rookie year development. Um, I don't have any quarterbacks at the end here, JB, but that is always an interesting conversation. Are you expecting Wolford Perkins or, you know, there's, there's talk about Lewis Perez and the fact that he's been signed any chance. I don't think there's any chance really of Lewis Perez winning the backup to Matthew Stafford job. But uh, what are your thoughts on Perkins, Wolford, and Perez? Yeah, I think with the signing of Perez, in a weird way, maybe if he plays well in the preseason, that makes Bryce Perkins less valuable. And maybe only keep two, or you only keep two quarterbacks between Stafford and John Wolford. So just because you might have the opportunity to, if another team takes Perkins away or they sign them, uh, you can stash Perez on the practice squad. And you know, he's bounced around between professional football leagues, not so much the NFL. And he's pretty unheralded. So maybe if Perez proves he's at least on equal footing as Perkins, uh, you don't need to keep either one of them. And I know that sounds strange, but uh, that's that whenever you guys, we put these guys on the field and see what they have in them. Uh, Perkins, I think, is a pretty limited quarterback. Um, we didn't yeah. see him push the ball down the field last preseason. I'm not sure he's really worth he's, You're never going to trade him for anything worth uh, any significant capital. So yeah, um, maybe just time to cut bait. Makes sense. You know, um, I do think what you're saying makes sense in terms of if they both do well, then you don't really have to be so nervous about one or the other. So we'll see what happens uh, with regards to the backup. But I think John Wolford, a pretty sure bet here to be the backup to Matthew Stafford. It's not nothing that he was the backup last year for the whole Super Bowl championship season. So it's not nothing that Matthew Stafford had John Wolford by his side the whole time through practices, through getting prepared through preparing, you know, doing the right things during the game when he goes to the sidelines, all that kind of stuff. It's uh, the little things where you're just deciding who's going to be that last quarterback on the roster An advantage for Wolford, all those years he spent with Sean McVay, you know, what kind of career does Wolford have ahead? Does he have a coaching career ahead? Um, so yeah, Xavier Jones would be one of my two of my five guys now uh, that I have. What about you? If you got AJ or Curie on your last one, maybe another guy that you would throw in there is one of your last one in. Yeah, I'm going to go with Roger Carter at tight end. So um, Tyler Higby, Kendall Blanton, Bryson Hopkins are at this point cemented in at the top three. And I think someone like Roger Carter, 
I've even seen where he can play fullback at times. Just gives you that versatility and gives Sean McVay another uh, toy to use on that off on offensive uh, side of the football. And maybe I think that's more a useful tool than having a third quarterback that hopefully never sees the field, but we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, Roger Carter, for those unfamiliar, undrafted free agent out of Georgia State. He is 6'2", 256, ran a 4.83 in the 40-yard dash, 37-inch vertical, and, you know, uh, a good athlete here to add to the mix as an undrafted free agent. As you said, Higby, Blanton, Hopkins. Every time I see Kendall Blanton, I'm like, that's a huge guy. There's something about, you know, it's like everybody in the NFL is big. And especially I'm sure that the size differences between him and Hopkins, maybe it's nothing, but there's something so imposing about Kendall Blanton that I'm getting more and more the feeling that when Matthew Stafford does go to a tight end, other than Tyler Higby, I just get the feeling that it's Kendall Bland. What do you think? Yeah. Kendall Blanton's an interesting story where he might not have been the best player on his college football team, which is the exception to most of these NFL players. Right. But He's behind Albert O at Mizzou, who's now at the Denver Broncos. And he's really just a great athlete that the Rams brought in house because of his size, because of his, you know, uh, his speed at that frame. So they've really done a great job developing him, teaching him how to play football. But usually um, whenever you're in the NFL, you're taking the best players off of these college teams, but they stashed him for several years. And now he's really coming into his own. It's great to see. It's a good story. Yeah. And, you know, Sean McVay always associated with tight ends. Of course, he's had Higby the whole time. That's why he's, uh, I've got him ranked higher on my most important list than some people do. And also because we just haven't seen anything in the regular season from Hopkins or Blanton. I like your pick here of Roger Carter because it is not an obvious one, you know, especially because I think a lot of people listening to this now will be wondering where does this put Jacob Harris, another fourth round pick last year, an even better athlete than Roger Carter, you know, cause it's like any of these guys where I talk about, they're an athlete this way or that way. Nobody comes close to Jacob Harris. You know, he's like the most athletic guy on the roster, but maybe he's a better soccer player than a football player. We don't know at this point because he hasn't played any football. All we really know is that he's, Hey, he can be an outside wide receiver for UCF and, and be able to come down with some of those 50, 50 balls as a tight end and all the intricacies of the position, the things to do from blocking to your route running to all of the shit that you need to do, especially in the Rams offense, you're going to be pre-snap motion. You're going to do all kinds of things for Sean McVay as a tight end. So the huge learning curve for Jacob Harris, um, he is, he is thin uh, for a tight end for a receiver or anything. Um, but overall there was a reason they picked him in the fourth round. Does this push Jacob Harris off of the roster for you? Or do you, are you listing him as a wide receiver? Yeah, listing him as a wide receiver in that top six, you know, Robinson, Cup, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Ben Skronik, and Jacob Harris probably are the six. And you have someone like J.J. Koski, who was on the roster off and on last year. You have Lance McCutcheon, who's a street free agent that um, really impressed during the organized team activity period. But uh, it's just a numbers game. If you're asking yourself to keep Jacob Harris versus J.J. Koski or Lance McCutcheon, um, that's a pretty easy question for me. You got to go with the elite athlete and Jacob Harris. And hopefully we see him on the field with Matthew Stafford at some point. Um, I just got to tell myself every year, don't get too infatuated with Jacob Harris. Um, don't get your hopes up, but man, I'm excited to see him out there in real time. You know, it's really going, you know, it's great to talk to transition into you talking about getting hopes up and wide receivers and all that, because it just reminds me, you know, I've been doing this, 
for 13-ish years now, and every year, training camp time, the most hotly debated conversations that people have are, oh my God, you can't lose this wide receiver who was an undrafted free agent who could be the number six wide receiver or whatever. And those are the, the debates that fans get into, I think, the most often, because wide receiver is a position where you're it's almost designed to make you look cool. And so, you know, there's a lot of guys in the league practice squad back end of a roster and the guys who don't make teams who can make phenomenal catches. If you just watched five highlights of their college career of what they're doing in practice, and it becomes very tricky to separate who are the guys that can make phenomenal catches and are, or, you know, underwear uh, athletes where they're just amazing at the combine or their pro days or whatever, you know, and you start fantasizing in your head about all the ways that they could change passing in the NFL. If only they just learn to get better at football. And it's like that learning curve, that learn that, that amount to go from, you know, what made them an undrafted free agent to now they're getting a shot in a camp after a tryout, all that kind of stuff to get to that point. You could think of it as 5%. That 5% is the most impossible 5% to cross over that there is. Whatever it is that made them an undrafted free agent is still going to stick with them in the NFL. It doesn't mean that the league doesn't get some things wrong. It doesn't mean that they have poor evaluations of draft picks a lot. What it means is, you know, when a guy, it's the same thing when a guy goes to a division school, a two school, an FCS school, a smaller school, doesn't get offers, gets one or two, like, you know, Cooper Cup, poor evaluation. But a lot, most of the guys that go to the FCS level, 99% of them, if not more, um, there was just something that was like, yeah, you can't go to that level. And so in a training camp situation, in a practice situation, it's possible for guys to stand out. And then you're just not seeing that other 5%. You're not seeing that part where if you really got a coach's honest answer about, hey, why isn't taking an example from last year, why isn't Tristan Jackson going to be like a part of the game plan? We watch him in preseason, he makes plays. We watch him in practice, he makes plays. And if Sean McVay gave an honest answer, who knows what that would be? I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but he might say anything along the lines of, well, he doesn't know the playbook. He's not studying. I, I mean, Tristan Jackson, maybe, you know, I'm not saying anything about you. This is an example. You know, maybe he's like, well, yeah, he drops 30% of the balls we throw him in practice, and you just don't see that because you only report on the highlights or whatever. Oh, he's late to practices. Oh, he, you know, it's just a bad time. It's a bad timing. You know, so the X, whoever that player is, and it's like they get most fixated, fans get most fixated on these receivers like Tristan Jackson or they might think, well, yeah, if J.J. Koski can just be a guy who gets like Danny Amendola 120 targets, maybe he can be pretty productive. And, yeah, maybe that's true. But these are the ones where I'm like, when you get to the end of the roster and you get to the number six, number five receiver, you know, you're debating over guys who will probably never, ever make an impact in the league. Even the guy who makes it, even the guy who's your number five receiver and makes it, he's not going to, you know, probably have an impact in the league. So when we talked about, when you mentioned those six receivers uh, for the Rams here with Jacob Harris is the last sounds reasonable to me. I don't have any uh, issue with it. I think one thing is uh, just knowing whether or not the Rams have, 
special teams acumen within that if they're not keeping Brandon Powell, uh, if Tutu Atwell is going to be turning kicks, how do you relate that to special teams? And I just ranted there about wide receivers. So if you have any thoughts on uh, Tristan Jackson as an example of wide receivers who are on that fringe of the roster, please do tell. Sure. Nelson Spruce, we as Rams fans have that infatuation with again a long time ago, um, back in the Sam Bradford era, I believe. But yeah, I, I consider Brandon Powell a Similar to long snapper, kicker, punter. It's a special teams position. You're not going to see him offensively, most likely. Um, it, whenever the Rams had as many injuries as they did between receiver and tight end in the playoffs last year, and he didn't get on the field, uh, I think you can pretty much write off any role that he would have on offense. So, uh, But Ben Skoranek, we don't really talk about him much. And he was pushing a playing time a little too early last year. Maybe he was drafting the seventh round. Um, I think he's a big physical receiver. The Rams have talked about Sean McVay has talked about putting him maybe as a move tight end or H back type role. So he's versatile and I'm excited to see what development and what step forward he's taken in a year two. And one more thought there. Cause yeah, you're right. We don't talk about Ben Skoranek at all. And I was going to talk about him, but then I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, he is one of those guys that might be the last guy in the roster. Cause we're not exactly sure what kind of role he would play. Um, unless it's like, unless there is an injury, unless they do need to go into the depth there, but Van Jefferson, you know, where, where are you at with Van Jefferson? Because there's a situation that we don't talk about as well with Van Jefferson, which is he's in a, he's not in contract year, but he's in his going into his third year, which means that if he does really well, He's going to ask for a new contract, just like we're seeing in those, these other training camps. And if he does poorly or if he just is okay, the Rams might have to decide, do we trade Van Jefferson? Do we make a move here? Because they have made other moves for Tutu Atwell. We still talk about Odell Beckham Jr. You know, there's other ways to go here. So uh, where are you at right now with Van Jefferson? Well, I think it's a question of what does he do really well? And if your answer to that question is that he's a deep threat, because we saw him go down the field with Matthew Stafford many times last year, even a week one, they got off to a hot start. Right. But if you're telling me Van Jefferson's a deep threat, I have a hard time believing that Tutu Atwell or Jacob Harris aren't better in that regard. So if he's, but if he, you think he's a Cooper cup clone, cause that's what he was billed at when he was drafted in the second round out of Florida. And he can he can succeed both in the short intermediate and deep game. Uh, I'm more easier. Like I'm more willing to buy into that, I believe. So but if you think he just has a role as a deep threat and Matthew Stafford's going to throw the ball down the field to him, uh, I'd rather see Tutu Atwell or Jacob Harris, now that they're healthy in 2022, get those opportunities instead. Moving on to the defense, and uh, I want to talk about when I was looking at the, the defensive line, you know, we're talking about maybe the best, at least the best 4-3 or 3-4 defensive line. We're talking about just three guys. I haven't necessarily compared it to the other 3-4 defenses, but when you got Aaron Donald, it's that's the start. That, that's all I need to know. Uh, but then Ashawn Robinson, great gains. I mean, it's a very good defensive line right up there with the best that he's ever been a part of. And you talk about who are the guys that are going to back them up last year, Jonah Williams, Michael Hoyt uh, were some of the early names that were on the roster. Marquise Copeland by the end and Ernest Brown, you know, on the practice squad and, you know, was a fifth round pick and there were uh, some hopes there. I said earlier that it was a fourth round pick. So if any of you were uh, rightfully uh, annoyed by that, 
I apologize. And uh, but when I'm thinking about the last guy, I'm going with Marquise Copeland, kind of uh, another one that just hangs on the roster or hangs around the Rams without getting a lot of attention or, you know, not a ton of playing time appeared in nine games last season, had 10 tackles, 108 defensive snaps. I'm thinking when we're talking about maybe the last or, you know, a symbolic guy to make the roster there behind this, the rest of these defensive linemen, I'm going with Marquise Copeland going into his, I believe, third year um, with the Rams. So his third year with the Rams and yeah, just not a huge high profile guy, but a guy that seems to have potential. What are your thoughts on Marquise Copeland and, and that last spot there, the defensive line? When you talk about the numbers game on the defensive line, have to remember that Bobby Brown, as we talked about last week, has been suspended for the first part of the season. So realistically, you can keep Michael Hoyt, you can keep Marquise Copeland, Jonah Williams, and fit them all onto the roster. As backup players, Michael Hoyt plays a lot of special teams, and he's important there. And, you know, he even made tackles, I think, in the Super Bowl and special teams. So he's an important player in that regard. One, one aspect of the defensive line and edge rusher that makes me scratch my head is, what position does Ernest Brown play? I mean, he's a fifth rounder. He can play on the interior. He's also kind of an edge. But in the NFL, when you're in between positions, sometimes that's more of a, a knock on you than a positive. So I really don't know where he fits into the grand scheme of things. All right, we're going to be right back with the rest of our top five final players to make the Rams 53-man roster here in a second. All right. So for me, that makes three with Marquise Copeland. JB, do you have a third name to add to yours? So I have my two, AJ Carey, Daniel and Roger Carter on offense, and I have three defensive players. And I think um, we talked about Ernest Brown, maybe being a little bit of a tweener between the defensive interior and edge. And I think similar to how the Rams stashed Chris, Chris Garrett a year ago, um, Daniel Hardy should be the fourth. Oh, I guess fifth edge player behind Leonard Floyd, uh, Terrell Lewis, Justin Hollins, and Chris Garrett. So I think it's important that they keep him. He's a great athlete, and they develop him for next year too. Yeah, you know, another seventh-round pick like Chris Garrett was a year ago, Daniel Hardy getting that opportunity. Um, again, these are picks that you make because for whatever reason, these players are not as premier of prospects as – you know, some of the uh, guys that went earlier, obviously. There are reasons, you know, that uh, these guys went in the seventh round, but then they've also, there's reasons that they're being drafted, reasons that you want to stash them on the roster, give them opportunities to develop and grow. Sometimes they turn into your best players or very good players. So Daniel Hardy, definitely one of those guys there on the edge. Um, and that's something that the Rams are going to really need to know, which is how their edge players are going to be playing you know for me looking at that linebacking core we see Traven Howard again uh, injured unfortunately which has been an unfortunate story for him throughout his career and then you've got some other names here at the inside linebacker position what are the Rams going to do to back up Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones and whether you've got Christian Roseboom Jake Jervis Anthony Hines or undrafted free agent Jake Hummel I think He's had kind of an interesting back and forth story, um, and he is back again. So my, one of my my fourth name on this list here is going to be Christian Roseboom. He's got special teams ability. He's got something that teams like because when he was cut by the Rams, he went to the Panthers, and you know now he's back with the Rams. And so 
when you're talking about those guys that just make the roster, Christian Rosen wasn't a guy for the Rams in the past, but they like him enough for him to be back in training camp here again. JB, what are your thoughts on the inside linebacker depth? Yeah, with Roseboom, it says a lot that the Rams were able to bring him back after he was signed by another team. So uh, they seem pretty confident that he can at least contribute on special teams. If Traven Howard's out, you might even be able to keep Jake Gervais. He played safety his first couple of years with the Rams, but converted that middle linebacker role last year. Really, whatever position he plays on defense is irrelevant. He's a special teams contributor, and he can make a – Traven Howard is also a great special teams player for L.A., and he could fill that role in the meantime. We might not see Trevin Howard this year. We may, or we might, but um, he can at least fill that void for the time being. Yeah, we may, we may not. I wanted to, you know, I was close there with Jake Jervis and, and Christian Roseboom or Jake Gervais and, and Christian Roseboom. Um, and when I think you're right, both have an opportunity here, both have familiarity uh, with Sean McVay and the Rams and mostly what they've been doing since 2020, which that's another thing Sean McVay talked about in his press conference with regards to bringing back Troy Hill, which was, hey, when we started doing things in a different way in 2020, which is, hey, the Rams had um, Wade Phillips for three years, and then they went to Brandon Staley, and they've kind of continued Brandon Staley's methodologies with uh, Raheem Morris. So it's that 2020 line, really, that's going to maybe play some importance here. And Christian Roseboom, Jake Jervis, they've been around in that time. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out, depending on how long Trayvon Howard is out for. Um, so what about you for your number four name on this list? Yeah, I have Russ East, who I put him on the list just because he can play safety, but also can come inside and play that nickelback role. And the Rams have a lot of young defensive backs that have that inside-out versatility. Really, the only players that are stuck on the boundary at corner are Robert Rochelle and Darion Kendrick at this point. So um, David Long Jr., uh, Jacoby Durant, Troy Hill, Jalen Ramsey, they all can come inside. And the Rams are going to have a lot of you know versatility in that secondary this year, and I think that's really exciting for them. And it, there's, it's just, there's so many names there in the secondary um, that there are inevitably going to be tough cuts in the secondary because the Rams did draft so many players at cornerback and safety this year, brought in a ton of undrafted free agents in the secondary. And like I said, they returned to Troy Hill. So even losing Darius Williams and um, Dante Dion, it's so many names because the Rams have held on to David long. They've, uh, you know, they're, they've, they're expecting a lot from Robert Rochelle, who I expect to be a starter. They've got Jalen Ramsey, of course, is the highest paid defensive back in the NFL, or at least highest paid. Yeah. I think he's still the highest paid defensive back. Um, they've got Jordan Fuller, obviously returning and they've drafted all these other safeties, Terrell Burgess, the Nick Scott, Taylor Rapp. What, how's that going to shake out? So, my number five is one of the guys that was among those drafted safeties, Quentin Lake out of UCLA. He's on PUP right now. He is kind of in that position where unfortunately maybe he's not going to contribute a lot as a rookie, but if you need to protect him, if you need to put him in a place, a position to not get snatched by another team, you know, if it's going to be one of those things where you just hope to, you know, bring him along slowly, like you have with so many other draft picks in the last three, four years, you know, and so on that Quentin Lake would be one of those guys as a sixth round pick out of UCLA that the team brought in for a reason was high on and also knows that there are some potential divorces coming up 
again with safety, which is just a constant churn as it is play year after year to the point where you've got Eric Weddle leading your team in the Super Bowl. You know, so it's one of those situations at safety where depth can never be good enough. And Quentin Lake, even being uh, injured right now, I think has a great opportunity to maybe be one of those last guys on the roster. But I guess it just depends too, like where he's at, but also where is Sean McVay's head at with Rapp, Burgess, Fuller, and Scott? Um, do you ultimately see any of those guys not making the roster? I think Terrell Burgess, there's really no way to tell. I think Taylor Rapp's really fallen out of favor. And Thrams put out those behind-the-grind videos, and I thought it was really telling Taylor Rapp was watching Jordan Fuller work out, and he says, man, you really have been a – you've had a long rehab lately. And, you know, it really – Jordan Fuller just says, yes, I'm doing what I got to do to get back on the field. And – it just kind of made rap look lazy, no nothing against him personally, but uh, uh-huh. it just like it's you read between the lines because we don't have the inside access, and you really you hear that and you're like, yeah, it kind of makes sense why Taylor Rapp has a hard time getting on the field, especially you know he struggled in this pass coverage and with Bobby Wagner coming on, and you have Ernest Jones, it, he's going to have a hard time seeing the field in year four for him, I think. So mm-hmm. maybe that makes him easier to cut too. I know that'd be a pretty tough sell, but. Uh, I don't think he factors in the future, the team's future plans at all. I think the Rams saved $2 million with that release if they so choose to do it. And I don't know if there's a trade market for Taylor Rapp. I don't know. Cause this is a guy who's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of time out there. Other team, you know, he was a second round pick. Other teams might see Taylor Rapp as someone who they can put in a better position to succeed. And maybe they can, maybe it's just, he's a poor fit for Brandon, Brandon Staley and Raheem Morris, as opposed to, going to a situation where he's not asked to do as much coverage, which might be he's playing closer to the box, um, doing some of the things that he's better at doing. And, or it could be down this line where, Hey, look, this is a difficult league. It's a war of attrition. There's a lot of names out there trying to take your job who are younger, cheaper, maybe even faster and stronger. So um, for Taylor Rapp, this is a situation now where he's looking at his career He's staring it down the face, you know, staring right out at it and saying, if you don't make this team and if you don't make this roster, as soon as you get cut once, well, now you've got a reputation, you know, not like as a bad guy, but just like, oh, so a team, they couldn't trade you and they, could, they couldn't roster you because that's one of the other things that I've learned over the years of doing all these training camps and cut downs and practice, you know, and all the media reports and the headlines that come out. I know that it sounds scary that you think that the Rams could, you know, at final cuts, cut somebody really valuable. That doesn't really happen. You know, it's like for the most part, you're either cutting, you know, you're cause you're going to keep 95% of the players that you want. You know, the guys that were drafted, the guys that were drafted recently, you know, the signees, the players that you really, you know, all those players, that's a 53 is a bigger number than you think. And I think ultimately that's, that's kind of what happens. And then sometimes you have cap casualties and that's a different story, but for Taylor Rapp, you know, if he just, just at year three and a team goes, Hey, before your fourth year, we're going to pass and nobody else could trade for you because we would have taken a seventh round pick at this point. Um, then you're really staring down potentially the end of your career. So but it could be a situation where another team likes what Taylor Rapp does. So it's just very interesting to see where that could go because, you know, it's tough also just in this league as a safety, they're not the highest paid. They, they rarely get into the hall of fame and teams seem that they think to think they're replaceable, including the Rams who say goodbye to John Johnson. They say goodbye to, you know, Eric Weddle once, but you know, uh, 
LaMarcus Joyner and so on and so on, you know, so there are those, those teams that just don't feel that way. And I don't even know if Jordan Fuller is going to get a contract extension. I don't know what's going to happen with Nick Scott when he becomes a free agent next year and we'll see how he plays this season, but you're absolutely right. You know, it's very difficult time now for Taylor Rapp, who is your number five player. Yeah. Uh, I guess you can kind of fit Quentin Lake and Russ East onto the same roster if you either cut Terrell Burgess or Taylor Rapp. So I think just because they're under contract for a longer amount of time, um, you know, it was pretty telling whenever Jordan Fuller went down towards the end of the regular season last year, that instead of putting Terrell Burgess on the field, they went out and signed a 50 year old Eric Weddle. Right. So um, you could trade even Quentin Lake or Russ Easton for both of those guys. So um, I think you have to fit both of them on the field and maybe there's a special teams player that stands out to you that you fit them in. So uh, I think the Rams are rebuilding the secondary for the future now that they've adopted this Brandon Staley, Raheem Morris defense, and they got to get players who fit their defense. Absolutely. You know, and um, whether or not even Raheem Morris will be around in 2023, is not clear. So um, for my last five guys on the roster, I was more veteran heavy, Bobby Evans, Xavier Jones, Marquise Copeland, Christian Roseboom, and Quinton Lake was the one, uh, rookie. And then for you, you've got AJ Akuri, Roger Carter, Daniel Hardy, Russ East, all rookies. Who was your fifth guy? If I'm not mistaken. Assuming Traven Howard's not able to be healthy by the regular season. I go Jake Gervais, but if Howard's around, you trade in Roseboom for Gervais probably. There you go. So yeah, we do share that name there. And, you know, I think we've shared a lot of similar sentiments here with the safeties and, and, and Russ East and, uh, some also some differences here. So that's kind of up for the fans listening to decide on their own. You know, where would you go? How would you move the pieces around? Hard to imagine in your head this 53 man roster because sometimes you're like, well, I would keep that guy. And then I'm saying, yeah, but you've got 55 players on your roster. You need to cut two guys. And so it's harder for me to get that across, you know, that you might not be able to keep all the players that you want. But like I said, you'll keep most of the players that you need. And that's the big deal. Not a lot of players get away and then become huge losses. You know, John Franklin Myers, it's the only example that it's really kind of notable uh, in the Sean McVay era. So, you know, for the most part, teams just don't look back and go, damn, we should have kept that guy. It's, it's not impossible, and it does happen every year in the whole NFL landscape. But in general, you know, Danny Amendola, another guy uh, who just retired, wrote about him this week, cut several times in his career before landing with the Rams. So um, anything could happen. Anything is possible. And uh, we're really getting into training camp now. JB, final thoughts here before we go. Yeah, I think that you got to filter out the training camp news. There's some things you can put stock in. There's things you can't. But one of the things that stands out to me so far we've been, in the first four days of practice is, Whenever you see a player draft in the late rounds and they have concerns and there's big reasons why they fell that far, for example, Darion Kendrick, maybe they were off-field concerns, maybe they were concerns with his speed, but training camp reports, you see him running down the field with Tutu Atwell and Allen Robinson and knock passes away. I think whenever you see those concerns alleviated in the early days of training camp, that's a time to buy into their stock and see how they fit into the big picture of this team moving forward towards the regular season. Really excited to see him in preseason. It sounds like Darion Kendrick, the six-round pick from Georgia at outside corner, is killing it, and yep. really excited to watch him. Yep, yeah, that's uh, another thing worth talking about um, was Darion Kendrick 
and the secondary and the, the role that he's playing early on because this is the time of year you know where you start to sort of get some confirmation on those things that you maybe were starting to feel during rookie mini camps and OTAs. And if that continues through the training camp, this is where you start to feel like, Oh, this guy could be similar to Jordan Fuller, similar to Cooper cup, similar to, you know, the offhand sometimes rookie that comes in and is like, you got to get this guy as a starter. You got to get them out there right away. Um, and who knows with Darian Kendrick, maybe that could be a case. He was on one of the, on the best defense last year in college football. Um, that's it for this episode of turf show times, the podcast title name in transition. So, Hey, stay tuned for that. Subscribe on your podcast app to turf show times, the podcast, that's more confusing, but go ahead and do that. And we will be back next week for more training camp updates. And then every week throughout the season, as the Rams look to run it back and repeat as super bowl champions, he's JB Scott and I'm Kenneth Arthur, and this is turf show times.